in the beginning was who? God or you? The beginning of all beginnings. God's word, Christ, establishes and produces God's life in us. The conception and birth of Jesus. This is the title to Matthew 1, 18-25. And we are going to unpack this passage of scripture as there is so much contained in a concealed realm for us to have revealed in us by the Spirit. There are massive connections and correlations to other passages in relation to these verses and how all this is to have a divine impact and influence in and through our life. Christ in us is the great mystery that Paul was entrusted and graced by God to bring to light to the Gentiles, the Jews, and kings. This message was the central core and point of Paul's existence. He was in labor continuously until Christ was formed in the church. Colossians 1, 25-29 and Galatians 4, 19. The word of God, Jesus Christ, is to be in us and form within us. So his life can come out of us at all times. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 to 12, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16, and Romans 8, 11. We will look at how the word gets birthed in us, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14, how it grows in us and the impact it has on all those who receive him the way the scriptures proclaim. We must enter the way of God, otherwise we will come short of this incredible divine experience we have been called for. Let's look at this word conception, as there is an exact correlation between Mary conceiving the word in her and us receiving the word, and also the world's being created, that being earth, heaven, the new earth, and the new heavens, and how they come into existence. Matthew 1 verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Hebrews 11.3, which is an absolute correlation to Matthew 1.20 and Genesis 1.1-3. Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. Genesis 1, 1-3 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now let's have a look at Luke 1, 31 and 38. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is a powerful angel Gabriel who is speaking the divine word of God. Now verse 38, And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. These four separate passages are also intrinsically linked and are one reality being uttered. We can see at the beginning of the Old Testament the very same reality at the beginning of the New Testament. Why is this the case? Because they are one and the same kind. They are of the same kind, the position of one which is God. Here, O Israel, the Lord is one. Question for us. 
How was creation conceived? How was Christ conceived? How are we conceived as his greatest creation? The answer, through the word of God being activated by the Spirit. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel speaks the word of God. In Genesis 1 verse 3, it was God himself that spoke his own word. In Hebrews 11.3, the author reminds us that it was the word of God which prepared the worlds. And in Matthew 1.20, we see it's the Holy Spirit who activates this word, just like in Genesis 1 and Luke 1.35. Luke 1.35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There is nothing natural about the way creation was created. There is nothing natural about the way Jesus was created. And there is to be nothing natural about the way we are created and grown as new creations. We are to be born by the word and grown by the word. Jesus came through the natural process of Mary, but he was not of the natural. We too have come through the natural process man, but we are no longer to be of the natural. We were the odd one out at one stage because we were all born of the natural seed, the seed of man, not the seed of God, the word. This is what separated us from God. Adam was born of God, but Seth was born of Adam. It says Adam was born in the likeness of God, which is spiritual. But Seth was born in Adam's likeness, the natural, according to the image of Adam. Genesis 5, 1-3. This is what this is all about, the natural versus the spiritual. Do we stay living in the natural and from the natural when we are born, conceived in, and from the Spirit, the Word which is Spirit? Do we confuse and prioritize the natural, the physical over the divine, the eternal, even though we have been reborn to live for a completely new kingdom? The sad news is yes, most of us do. Many followers have very little reference for the Word of God that enables and empowers them to live prioritize, and be abandoned to live for the Father's purposes, which are all spiritual. This means many go through ceremonies and traditions which are associated with being a follower, but don't live as a follower who is wholeheartedly about the Father's business. We flirt with the Father's business by attending services, discipleship groups, prayer meetings, go overseas, give money, serve in a role in the family, but never actually lived the life we have been called for because we haven't lost our life for his sake. Matthew 10, 39. It looks like we have because of our external expressions and commitment, but we haven't lost any of the spirit of self and we continue to truly live for self, not surrendered. This true life of the spirit within us will manifest itself out of us but we must be able to discern the real versus the counterfeit. Many miss the entire point for the natural as it is given as a means for a greater end, but we tend to make the means the end and so never discover the life we are called for. We start, but we never come to experience the mature posture or the full position of God in us. The word of the spirit, which we need to do this perfecting work in us, we are void of and so are unable to walk in the manner of Christ. I wonder how many of God's people have a reference for 1 Thessalonians 2, 13-14. If no reference for this word of the Spirit, then we remain the same. 
even though we continue to do all this function. Let's have a look at verse 13 and 14. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Verse 14, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus. When the word of God is not performing its work within us, we are going to live for the natural because we are not receiving the source, the food of God, which enables us to live for the kingdom of God, God's spiritual kingdom and will. Let us look at a powerful example of this from Matthew 1, 1 to 17 and 18 to 25 and also Matthew 12, 46 to 50 and 13, 1 to 26. We see in verses 1 to 17, the Bible describes the natural genealogy of Jesus. We see 42 generations of natural genealogy and then the conception of Jesus Christ. There is nothing natural about the conception of Jesus Christ, the word of God, even though we see this natural order before this. Was Jesus of this natural lineage? Not really, no. He was of another order, the order of Melchizedek, which had no genealogy of mother or father or bloodline of the natural. The word was with God right from the beginning in the eternal. Before anything natural was created, the word was with God and the word was God. The word existed before he was conceived in Mary. Hence, he was of the spirit from day one. God uses the natural lineage to bring into being his spiritual lineage, sons of the spirit. This is the main reason the natural body exists, to be a temple of the spiritual word of God, 1 Corinthians 3.16. So sons of the spirit can live as sons of the spirit and see God's spiritual kingdom established in the church and through the church. To not be in this reality and to honor the natural family above becoming the spiritual family of God is to miss the entire point of why God gave us the natural. How is God going to get his spiritual family upon the earth? Through creating a physical body that he could put his spirit in and grow the spiritual family through the receiving of his word, which is spirit. A family who would demonstrate the reality of God upon the earth, bringing glory to his name for all to experience and see. A tangible demonstration of the manifold wisdom of God which is the many aspects of wisdom lived out by the church. The tangible expression of God upon this earth through the vessel of the church, God's people. How many followers have any revealed knowledge of what I have just said? How many followers have made physical family their number one priority in life? Because they have no idea of what is contained and concealed in God's word, which is spirit, in relation to family. How many followers have left in their hearts this reality of natural family and are giving their entire lives to see God's church, his family established upon the earth for God's glory? The answer is not too many because we don't have the word in us. These words are extremely powerful in John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. Question for us, what is our beginning? What is our core? What is our first place position or foundation? 
What is our starting point? Is it self or the word? Our beginning needs to be the word. Our middle needs to be the word. Our end needs to be the word. In this area of natural family versus spiritual family, we can see Mary and Joseph being challenged by the word of God and the reality of spiritual family as opposed to natural family. Luke 2, 29-35 talks about the hearts of Mary and Joseph being challenged to the core of this word and would this word become their reality. And in Luke 2, 41-52, Jesus being in his father's house as a 12-year-old boy and his parents have no idea where he is and why he would be in this house. Joseph and Mary like the sound of the word that was spoken by Simeon, the prophet, when Jesus was a baby, Luke 2, 29-35. And yet when this very prophetic word of the Spirit materializes some 12 years later in Luke 2, 41-52, their response is quite different. You see, we love the sound of the word of God until it turns up on our doorstep and says, hello, it's time for this word to become a reality within you. In the beginning, do not despise prophetic utterances, 1 Thessalonians 5.20 teaches us. The word must be established in us at the beginning, and it must continue to be established in us as our ongoing process. To not have the word in us at the beginning is to not have the word, but ourself in us at the beginning. We are conceived from man, and this will have us living for self, and self will determine every area of our lives, and natural family versus spiritual family is an area where self reigns at our beginning position, our core, our foundation. Self is a strong man that needs to be taken out by the word of God if we are to be, become, and live as God's family on the earth. Let's now look at Matthew 12, 46-50, and Matthew 13, 1-26. In this area of natural versus spiritual family, as this highlights a spiritual reality that many find themselves in. Matthew 12, verses 47. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Now let's have a look how Jesus replies in verse 48. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? What a bizarre thing to say by Jesus. Does he not know who his mother is and who his brothers are? Is he suffering from a mild case of amnesia or did he hit his head and concussion is setting in? None of these are the case. Jesus knows exactly what he's saying and he knows exactly what he means. Verse 49 and 50 are very telling verses and ones that many don't have the word as their beginning. They get very offended and insulted by. Jesus points towards his disciples for those who are his family members and makes the clear distinction between the natural bloodline and those who do the will of his father as being who his mother and brothers are. Verses 49 and 50. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven He is my brother and sister and mother. This is a kingdom of God word. Like all his words, they come from another realm, not earth, but heaven. 
The word is from the spiritual kingdom, culture, and way of Jesus' Father. This is a divine word describing a divine context and way of being and living. There is nothing earthly or natural about this word at all. This word flies in the direct opposite way to the kingdom of self and is highly offensive to self. Self has no reference point for this kind of word. And as soon as one demonstrates this wisdom, which challenges everyone's true beginning position, all hell breaks loose on the one who is living this wisdom out because they demonstrate and represent a dimension that is truly eternal and divine, not of earth. This person, as we will see, is one of the people who have the fruit of 30, 60, 100 fold to what was sown from the kingdom parable. This is a wisdom which is vindicated by her children. Now let's look at this passage, Matthew 12, 46 to 50, through the lens of the parable of the seed. Chapter 13, 1 to 9, talks about a sower who sows seeds. The seed sown is the kingdom word of God. These seeds are spirit and life, so they must be received through the operating agency or system of the spirit. The parable also describes four environments which the seeds fell on. The first, a road, the second, rocky places, the third, thorns, and the fourth, good soil. Only one of the environments, good soil, produces a crop because the environment the seeds fell on, good soil, was soft, fertile, and ready to receive the seeds. Jesus then, in verse 9, says these very important words. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is saying, can you hear what I'm actually saying? Can you hear the seed, the word of the kingdom, and receive it, which performs its work within you? Is your innermost being the good soil which receives the word of God it hears and accepts it for what it is, the word of God, which performs its work of 30, 60, 100 times because you believe the kingdom seed, the kingdom word. We can see from this that only one out of four people actually receive and understand the seed, the word which performs its work in us. Let's now look at verses 10 to 17 and see what we can see and hear from these passages. The disciples asked Jesus, why does he speak in parables? To which he replies that those of the Spirit, the Word, have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But there are those who will never know, and Isaiah spoke of these Israelites, and Jesus addressed this in verses 13 to 15. In verse 16 to 17, Jesus tells his disciples that they are to be able to hear and see the word, the reality of this kingdom, and be living from and for it through their demonstration. Verse 18 to 23 is then all about the reality of the word of the kingdom, the seed going out, and how each person responds to it, depending on the type of inner realm, their heart, they in fact have and not what they think they have. Now let's look at this in the context of Jesus saying his family is not the bloodline he came from, but his family are those of the Spirit, and those who do the will of his Father. The kingdom word, or the word of the kingdom, the seed that goes forth is, for whoever does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, 
He is my brother and sister and mother. Let's now apply this to the four different environments and their consequences to the seed or word of the Spirit about family. Number one, the road, which is man's heart. The seed, the word of family, gets snatched away, never to be received and lived out. Number two, rocky places. This environment receives the word through hearing and receives it with joy, but it has no firm root in himself. And so when affliction or persecution arises because of this kind of word, who is your family and who are you living for? The man falls away. This is people trying to live this reality out and saying to their family they are choosing God and his way over the natural. And because the person has no firm root, Christ in them, they fall away. Number three, the thorns. This environment, man's heart, hears the word, but he worries about the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. And this causes this seed, this word about being his family and doing his will, to be choked and become unfruitful in the person's innermost being place, the place of understanding, the heart. These are three people, three hearts, three environments, which are different, but all suffer the same fate. The word of spirit is ultimately rejected, denied, not received, and so is unable to take root and produce life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So it's not the word in Matthew 12, 46, 50 that is the problem. It's our inability to hear and understand his word or the spiritual kingdom he is from. The fourth environment or heart is the good soil. This environment is man's fertile heart, the place of understanding God's divine word. The man who has this heart hears and understands the word, the seed, which is sown. And this seed multiplies in this person's heart, producing an abundance of fruit within the person. It's this person that receives this kingdom word about spiritual family and becomes a part of the family of God who truly love him and are dedicated to being a part of his family, playing an active part in his body. This body is called his bride, the wise virgins. All the other three people, their hearts can be described as the foolish virgins who don't embrace the word and allow it to change them. So they live as Jesus did. No wonder Jesus said, if we don't understand the parable, how will we understand any kingdom parable? Let's come back now to this in the beginning posture, where the word of God is truly our beginning position of how we live our lives and the food source our lives are truly built upon. So many followers rely on tradition or ceremony or scriptures as their beginning position rather than the one of the scriptures. Jesus spoke to this reality in John 5, 39 and 40 and Acts 13, 26 to 33, when he addressed with the leaders of the day how they had made the law their beginning and not the one who would fulfill the law. When our reference point for our beginning are the scriptures, tradition, ceremony, the law, the principles, the truth, rather than the person, the truth himself, we are in a very dangerous and deceptive position. The problem is it sounds so right and knowledgeable, but it is a pharisaical position which has us living in a false reality that we perceive is life. 
We live from flesh and truth, not spirit and truth. We are receiving a knowledge, but it's not a knowledge that makes us free and has Jesus as our source. We must be of the promise keeper first rather than the promises themselves. The word of God, Jesus, grew in Mary. He didn't start as an eight-pound baby, but he was in seed form and grew into an eight-pound baby. This is what the word is to be like in us. The word is to grow and become fully formed within us over our lifetime. We are to become full and overflowing of the word within us. Colossians 3, 16. We become who inhabits us. We become an incubator for the word of God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. God's word establishes and produces God's life within us. Jesus asked the Pharisees, was John's baptism from what source, from heaven or from men? This was a highly critical question he was asking them. And the same question can be asked in relation to God's word. Is the word of God from what source, heaven or earth? Do we receive the word of God from what source, God slash heaven or man? If we are still the source, how can we draw from heaven as our source? We can't. We will still be trying to come into spiritual life within us through us being the source. The scary thing is, is that in this position of us being our beginning, we can still do all the physical manifestations of healings, miracles, preaching, works for the poor and the widow, prophecy, etc., which God will allow as he doesn't take back what he has given. This posture becomes deceptive because we get to see things happen eternally of us, and yet this doesn't mean we are becoming Christ-like on the inside or even love God and people the way he commands. We are led to believe we do, though, and this is highly dangerous and deceptive to us. It is fully possible to raise a dead person and not know God. The word of God creates the life of God within us. It's not our ability or our strength or our wisdom or cleverness, but it is God's word received within us through the spirit that builds his eternal life in us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 The word of God created creation, Genesis 1 verse 3. And creation was and is the demonstration, the manifestation of the word of God. There is no the word and then something else that's required. There is no and or but. It's not revelation and. It's all a position of one. The word of God creates the ability to start living this new dimension within you out. The word in us is so powerful, it creates the demonstration of his life coming forth from us. His word revealed in us creates and establishes his fruit in us. And this fruit becomes evident through the demonstration of our lives. Not because we are trying to, but because it can't help but be released from us. We don't need to sell the fruit or try and convince people of the fruit. They can see it and come and receive the fruit. Love, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, etc. from us. Our ability to be able to live like this and be the demonstration of this is based on the receiving of his word through God's power. Hence the parable of the sower. Nothing more and nothing less does this genuine work in us. 
every revelation of the word in us produces a manifestation, which produces a demonstration. Genesis 1 verse 3 is the same as Hebrews 11 verse 3, which is the same as Matthew 1 verse 20. Jesus is the word, John 1, 1 to 5, and his words are spirit and life, John 6, 63. So it's the receiving of this dimension of the eternal that produces his life in us. The word, Jesus, created all things, Colossians 1, 15 to 17 and 18 to 20, and nothing comes into being unless through him. It's this word that is implanted into Mary's inner realm. She is pregnant with the word of God in seed form. This word will grow within her from a seed into a baby and come into the earth, just as the worlds did, by the same reality. This is all a work of the spirit, the eternal, the supernatural power. There is nothing human or natural about any of this at all. Question, how then do we and did we receive the same word? Are we pregnant with the word? The answer, through the same power or man's wisdom? Which one? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5 speaks to this. God uses the natural body that he created from the earth to house his word, Jesus Christ. He created natural genealogy to host the word of God, the presence of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, for his name to be glorified in the earth. We are not to make natural family the goal or our number one priority on earth. We are not to elevate natural family over spiritual family. And Jesus addresses this in previous scriptures. To do this is to not fulfill the will of God, because Jesus says his disciples are those who do the will of God, not those who live for natural family and make this their priority. The main purpose for the natural body and natural families is to host or house the presence of God. So God's family of the word can be established on the earth from generation to generation, doing the will of God until he returns for this very church. The church must become a physical manifestation of God's wisdom, just like Jesus was on the earth. We must come into the revelation for the purpose of God created and why he called us. This is not for us to have our own families and live for ourselves and build our own empires like so many are and do. To live like this is to miss the entire point and reason you were given life. And the consequence of this is to relinquish your eternal reward in Christ. This is why Paul said that we are no longer to live for oneself, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15 He says that the love of God is what controls him now. It's only when we are controlled by love that we stop living for oneself. Oneself can even be, or living for oneself can almost be just looking for what the Father has for you as an individual. This is also deception. Paul's life was given to see every follower become complete in Christ. His life was given to present to all as a pure virgin, the body of Christ. Unfortunately, there are far too many who don't carry a revelation of becoming his bride, his body, his family, and playing their part, being controlled by love and no longer living for self but him. 
Losing our life is not doing things that we never used to do before, like attending services or get going to discipleship groups, giving, preaching, sharing our testimony, looking for God's will as an individual. It's giving up every aspect of your life and way for his sake and learning his way and what's his heart for his creation, the church. This for most is an untapped reality dimension that is still concealed in Christ and is waiting to be revealed. It is a truth that tests and exposes people's true heart position and understanding and what they really believe. Through this, we get to see unbelief in his body, hence people having not yet entered into the dimension of abundant life in Christ. Question for us, how do we, God's beloved creation, continue to grow and mature in Christ-likeness, the fullness of Christ in us? Through the Holy Spirit activating the Word of God in us. The Holy Spirit activates the Word that created life in Genesis, Luke, and Matthew. There is nothing natural or human about this process. Man can only produce of his own kind, and this is of a fallen kind, Genesis 5, as we've looked at. Man can only reproduce after himself his own kind. He can only make disciples into his own image and not the image or kind of Christ. This is why we get to see the mini-me's of the senior leader or senior leadership. Leaders leading others to themselves, flesh to flesh. This is copy versus imitate. Anyone can copy another human, but not imitate another person. This is another dimension of the spirit. Copy is temporal, imitate is eternal. We are to be of his kind, diversity leading to oneness of the same kind through the Holy Spirit revealing the word of God within us. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Man can't build anything eternal. He only knows how to build the temporal, the natural, the perishing, Hence, Jesus is the builder of his people via the revelation of his words of life and spirit. The challenge for all of us is to believe this reality. And when Jesus himself spoke from John 6, 63, he knew that some of his disciples, not the 11, would not believe in what he spoke. They would continue in their own thinking and understanding and reap the fruit of this natural, earthly way of being. The flesh profits nothing. In this world we live, there are seeds of life and seeds of death. This has been from the beginning of humanity, where we see God speak the word of God, the seed of life to Adam, Genesis 2, 16-17. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you will eat from it, you will surely die. God's word, the seed of truth, gives a very definite conclusion, death. Now let's see how the serpent responds to Eve when she shares with the serpent what God said. Genesis 3 verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. The serpent speaks the word of lies to entice us into his reality, which is death. He is the father of lies and lies is all he has. His lies are seeds, but they produce death. 
weeds that come in and choke the seeds of life from ever growing within us, which means we never become who we are called to be and become. We can see Jesus speaking of this truth in the parable of the sower and also in Matthew 13, 24 to 30 in relation to the tears and the wheat. If we believe these seeds of death, then we can't expect to receive the life Christ promises us because we are receiving the wrong seed. We are believing the words of death and not the word of God, the word of life. The flesh, the world, and Satan speaks words of flesh and death. They sound right and they sound so good, but they produce death. Jesus speaks words which are spirit and life. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Let's break this down bit by bit, as this is the difference between being covered by truth and truly abiding in truth. The first part I want to look at is, it is the spirit who gives life, for the flesh profits nothing. No wonder scripture teaches us that God seeks worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. What does this even really mean? If the Spirit is the one who gives life to all things, then what does worshipping in the Spirit even resemble? These two passages or verses are heavily intertwined and connected. The flesh cannot produce the life of the Spirit or the life that is in Christ. The role of the Spirit is to bring to light and life all that is concealed within Christ, the eternal life. The eternal life, which is Jesus Christ, John 17, 3, and 1 John 1 to 2, is a concealed life, and only the Spirit can reveal this life to us and in us. This is the entire pattern or way of God Himself. Jesus declares He is the only one who has seen the Father, and the Father is the only one who has seen the Son. Matthew eleven twenty seven. And it's the role of the Father or Spirit to reveal the Son. The Father, Son, and Spirit are one and operate as one. They all work in unison to bring to light the revelation of God within us so we can become the people God intends us to be and bring glory to His name. Only the Spirit can bring this life to us and bring us into this eternal dimension of life within us. It's impossible for ourselves, the flesh, to do this work, hence the flesh creates its own version of this life through the intellect, and man thinks this is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. To keep all these instructions through the flesh, mentally understanding words and concepts, doing all this in his own strength, but never being able to be the true demonstration of Jesus upon the earth, and so bring glory to the Father. Man attempts to live for himself through the flesh, and man attempts to live for God through the flesh, and none of this produces a Christ-like life in or through us. This is why the flesh profits nothing. It's all a counterfeit of the real thing, and this unfortunately is the majority for many. Many have no references for life that only the Spirit can bring, and so settle for this temporary human existence, not believing the words of Jesus which are Spirit and life. Jesus declares a prophetic dimension of what life in him is and how it is to be for all his followers. To not come into this is to not abide in him, as the outcome of abiding in Christ is this very life. 
and eternal life. This is the wisdom of God being lived out by God's children. Luke 7.35 Yet wisdom is vindicated or proven right by all her children. Matthew 11.19 The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. The word vindicated is the word to justify, to be proven right. The behavior that is being demonstrated justifies or proves right the claims that one makes about who they are and how they are living. The proven behavior is the justification of one being a child of wisdom. It's not in what we say, but it's in how we live. Are we living wisdom, children of wisdom, living like wisdom? The Bible says Jesus is the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1, 24. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. As we read, he is also the power of God. The power of God is what brings us into the wisdom of God. Unless we receive the power of God, which is contained through the resurrection of Jesus, we won't be able to live as wisdom lived. This is why the world looks at the wisdom of God and calls it foolish and crazy, because it is a completely different demonstration of way of being to itself. It is not transfixed on itself, and it never lives for itself. It lives something entirely different. Only those who are of the word, the wisdom of God, the power of God, can live like this. All other people consider this wisdom this way not real or even achievable or possible as a reality to be lived out. This is the declaration of verses 25 to 31 from 1 Corinthians 1, 25. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despise God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that may, may, man may not boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. We can see from these passages, we are looking at a completely different wisdom and one that can only be grasped through the receiving of revelation via the Holy Spirit. Opening up God's word is the key. God's wisdom is contained in the person, Jesus himself. Hence, Jesus is the word, the wisdom of God. The second part of the statement says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Every word and all the words that come forth from Christ's mouth are spiritual and produce his spiritual life in us. They are of my father, the spirit, and come forth from his kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom. And this is why we need spiritual ears to hear the spiritual words of Christ. This is why Jesus says, the flesh profits you nothing. The flesh operating system has absolutely no ability to hear the words which are spirit. 
The flesh has no reference point or reality for the words of the Spirit. To try to grasp and understand the words from the Spirit, from the flesh, is nothing short of insane. One never can, hence Jesus saying the flesh profits you nothing. The Jews slash disciples were never going to understand his words because they were of the flesh. Their response to his words were of the flesh. They had not yet received the Spirit, even though they believed in John's message. Verse 60. This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? They were grumbling at his words. Not just these words in verses 53 and 58 in John 6, but also when he spoke from verses 35 to 52. These words are the Spirit and the words of life if we can hear them through the revelation of the Spirit. If we can't hear, we can be exactly like the disciples who walk away from Jesus when we need to be like Peter who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. These disciples walked away because they were offended by these words of the Spirit. They weren't able to hear and or understand them, and so they have to leave. People have left what God is saying here because they can't hear the words which are Spirit, and so they grumble and they leave. They don't say like Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? They say we are out of here because these are difficult statements. Who can listen to it? For the most part, Peter couldn't understand these words, but he did know Jesus was the Messiah. This is what enabled Peter to stay while others left. The flesh cannot hear the words of the Spirit, and so it hears something completely different, which it grumbles at. People can't hear the words of the Spirit, words that are spirit and life. If we don't worship in spirit and truth, then we will never come into the life in the Spirit. These are the true worshippers the Father seeks, those who worship in spirit and truth. This is what John 4 says. If Jesus' words are spirit and they produce a spiritual life, then we must know what worshipping in the Spirit actually means. God is truth. God is the Spirit. So once again, if we have no idea what worshipping in the Spirit is, how can we live a life of the Spirit? hearing in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit. How does flesh and truth worship? Through function, works, and deeds. How does Spirit and truth worship? Through being in Him, fully surrendered to Him. We simply will worship a flesh reality if we don't know what it is to worship in Spirit and truth. What does this look like? This looks like having a form of godliness by denying the power of God for true transformational change, true worship. If true biblical worship is the laying down of one's life for God and his purposes, and one denies the power of God when it comes to do this powerful work of obliterating the flesh, then one will worship from the flesh, maintaining a form of godliness, keeping ceremony, traditions, commandments, instructions in the law, but all from the flesh and all learnt by rote in human tradition. We are worshippers who worship from flesh and truth. We try to live the truth out by doing what all good followers of Jesus do. We pray, we gather, we enter into discipleship, giving, serving, sharing our faith, but it is all from the flesh, our ability and strength. And so we are void of the spiritual life Jesus promises us.
Because we are to be worshippers of spirit and truth, it's the spirit that makes the truth come alive in us. To worship in flesh and truth doesn't bring the truth to life. We only know about God rather than God himself. How can one receive the word of the spirit if one hasn't come into the true position of being someone who worships in spirit and truth? If one denies God's power because one wants to be the God of their own life and control their life, then one cannot be a true worshiper who lays down their life. We need the very thing we deny. So we compromise and create another posture of worship called worshiping in flesh and truth, having and holding to a former godliness, but not godliness. We become like the Samaritan lady in John 4 and the Samaritans, worshiping a God that they did not know. John 4, 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. What was Jesus addressing here in John 4 with the woman? Her true heart position of who was the God of her life. This is what was being addressed. Would she deny the power of God Jesus to release her from this position of flesh and truth so she could be a person who could worship from spirit and truth? Romans 12 one says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 1 is all about the giving of our entire heart. This is the position of full surrender because we have been revealed his mercy towards us. We get to see within our heart the magnitude of his mercy, which catapults and propels us into his love. And this breaks our fallen nature into a trillion pieces, never to be put back together again. We have been set free from the bondage of this fallen, demonic nature and given a brand new nature, his nature now in us, new DNA to live as a new creation. This all occurs through receiving his power, not denying it and forming another reality of Godness, where we justify self away through our good works for God, but deny the power to bring us into this authentic life in God. This is position one, which is to be our beginning position in becoming Christ-like in nature, character, and demonstration. Wow, I'm not sure too many have even started this from the beginning position. In the beginning was the Word. At the beginning of our innermost being is Jesus, because we give him our entire lives, and then we start to follow. We are rerouted and grounded in love, no longer in self. If this isn't our beginning position, then it must become it. If we truly want to be a true worshipper and receive all he has for us now and the future. Position number two is verse number two of Romans 12, verse two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is where we commit to no longer being of the world and allow the Spirit to become our teacher, renewing our mind by the power of the Spirit. This is what Ephesians 4.23 declares. We are to be renewed in the Spirit of our mind. Far too many followers use this carnal mind as the way of trying to understand God and His ways without ever realizing this is anti the Spirit and the Spirit's way. Matthew 16.23 this is the operating system of the flesh 
And so you get the person operating from the flesh in truth. This is because the first position of the heart hasn't been dealt with. So we continue to live from the old man. The old man denies the power which comes to kill him and release him from control. How can our minds be renewed if unbelief is in our heart, the heart being the place of understanding? That's why we must truly lay our entire life or our heart down to be operated on. When we look at everything that is written so far, the importance of being born again is the absolute necessity. Being reborn by the receiving of the Holy Spirit in the recesses of our innermost being. This is something we experience and receive the reality of, rather than something we say we are and have had, but have no substance of or reality for. We are to experience this born-again reality, not just be satisfied with some empty words or an empty concept which the mind says it's received, but there is zero evidence of. When a woman gets pregnant, she receives the evidence within her. The seed that is received within her causes the reality of life. Many women know they are pregnant before they get tested because their body starts to innately tell them. Before any test is done, the woman knows she has received new life because there is the reality of this new life starting to take shape and she experienced the manifestations of this to some degree. Even women who don't know straight away or before the test at some saying soon after will experience this new life within her. This is the born of spirit reality in the recesses of our heart. As this new life within us starts to grow, her own body starts to change in relation to the manifestation of this new life. In the beginning is the word. There is a tangible outward expression of this new life within, and this is what it is to be like in the spirit as well when we are pregnant with the word the Spirit of God. There is to be a noticeable change and a new hunger, thirst, and craving for new life, a new food source. We have been born of the same kind and now require food of this kind. The Word of the Spirit we are born of is this new kind. When Paul is born again, the change is radical. One minute he is going to Damascus to put followers of Jesus in prison and see them killed. And next is declaring Jesus as the Messiah. This is an unconceivable turnaround and one that can only be possible through the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Paul was full with the Spirit and the Spirit's power and the evidence is a radical physical demonstration of lifestyle. He automatically starts preaching Jesus and that he is the Son of God, Acts 9.20. This is what happens when we receive the Spirit's power within us. It changes us to this measure. Just like physical creation is the manifestation of the word of God expressed, so is the same reality of life in Paul. Creation is the physical demonstration or outcome of the word of God declared. This is how powerful God's living prophetic word is. It creates life where life formerly wasn't present. Paul was Saul, the same man, but two completely different lives lived out. This is us when we too receive his word. An old and a new life is born. I am a new creature, a new creation because of the word of life I have received. It's the word itself that creates this new life, this in the beginning position, now in me. In Matthew 24, 35, we see Jesus say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't. 
It's these words that create this in the beginning posture of spirit, which we need to live out and live in and of the spirit. I want to look at all the beginning positions or the first place positions in Christ, first space, spiritual promises and dimension. The first one, 1 John 2, 27, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that he would teach us first. John 2, 1 to 12, the first miracle was at a wedding in relation to a marriage covenant. Genesis 1, 1 to 3, we see the creation, how creation started. John 1, 1 to 4, in the beginning was the word. Hebrews 11, verse 3, tells us that by faith we believe creation was birthed by the word. 1 John 1, 1 to 7, talks about fellowship and how fellowship needs to be our first place position, not function. Matthew 5 verse 3 talks about being poor in spirit as the very first beatitudes. Mark 12, 28 tells us first love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love one another. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first my kingdom. Philippians 2 verse 7 talks about being a bondservant before an apostle. Matthew 23, 26 talks about making sure that the inside is clean first and the outside will take care of itself. Matthew 16, 25 talks about being surrendered before being committed. And 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says, No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of man's interpretation, but the Spirit's. We are a product of our beginning. We manifest our beginning position. It determines everything. Nothing external comes into being unless it is from the in the beginning position, the Word of God. This must be our starting position in Christ, our middle and our end. It must be our continuous posture and position in Him if we are to be the church of the Scriptures. We are to be mature sons as He was the mature Son. We are to be the sons which creation is waiting to be revealed.